My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes, where every episode is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. I spent a long time in school. I did the preschool, the middle school, the high school, and then I attended two different junior colleges and earned an associate's degree. Then I went to a university and earned a bachelor's degree. But the bachelor's degree wasn't even the halfway point of my post-high school education. I then went to law school for three years and earned a JD, followed by five more years getting a PhD in business. When I finished the PhD, I signed up for a three-year postdoc. For me, there are a few things more exciting than getting fully immersed in a new idea. I love that feeling of a fire burning inside me when learning about a new or interesting topic. But the truth is, I've had more of those on-fire moments outside of the classroom than inside the classroom. Having spent essentially my entire life in the educational system, I've come to believe a number of things about it. First and foremost, there are places where we can learn and explore the most interesting ideas that our civilization has ever come up with. That's why I decided to become a professor, because there is nowhere else I would rather be. Second, the education system trains us for specific jobs, like becoming a doctor, an engineer, or a counselor. Third, the educational system is also a massive credentialing system. Employers rely on universities to help them identify people who can manage their time well and complete tasks efficiently and effectively. Many college students get frustrated with mandated graving curves, complaining that they don't make sense. And that's true if the education system is only about learning, but it's also about sorting, or in other words, credentialing. Fourth, universities are immersion experiences, albeit very expensive ones. So many of the things that universities teach can now be learned for free online, but the universities provide the chance for kids to move away from home, live with roommates, and become part of a new community. Fifth, the education system is big business. The endowments at the most prestigious universities are in the tens of billions of dollars. Harvard's endowment is larger than the GDP of each of the hundred smallest countries in the world. Sixth, the educational system, especially grade school, middle school, and high school, serve as daycares, in addition to the other functions I mentioned earlier. And seventh, and perhaps the most prevalent characteristic of the education system, can be derived from asking every student in America to name the one word that comes to mind when we mention school. I bet the most common response would be boring. All too often, schools are just plain boring. Which leads to the question of why. Why are schools so often boring? From a systemic perspective, I think a reasonable answer is that schools are trying to do too much, wearing too many hats, average at everything and good at nothing, as the saying goes. But I think a more immediate, causal reason schools are boring is that so much of what we learn in school is just not practical or relevant. I still remember quite clearly my very first PhD seminar. It was a 75-degree, clear blue-sky day in Palo Alto. Eight of us students and one professor sat in a small conference room and tried to answer the following question. What is the difference between a group and a team? For three hours, 180 minutes, 10,800 seconds, we discussed and debated the differences between a group and a team. And frankly, as an intellectual exercise, I actually thought the discussion was quite interesting. But after three hours of debating, what was our conclusion? The truth is, it doesn't matter what our conclusion was, because the question is really not an important question. From a practical standpoint, it's hard to imagine a bigger waste of time. I think the word practical is such an important one, especially when it comes to education. Of all the possible careers I could have chosen, I chose to be an academic. 
There is so much I love about the academic world, starting with the people, including both professors and students I work with. But what's fascinating about the word academic is that it has multiple meanings depending on whether I'm talking about it as a noun or an adjective. As a noun, it means I'm a teacher and a researcher. But as an adjective, the word academic means not of practical relevance, of only theoretical interest. Isn't it interesting that our professors, by definition almost, are too often teaching us things that have no practical use? And I think this is the biggest problem with so much of our educational system. So much of what we learn is simply not practical. But I'm not here to throw our educational system under the bus. As I mentioned earlier, it serves a number of very important purposes. And I think there is one more characteristic of the education system that I didn't mention before, which I actually think is the most important of all. The education system teaches us one skill that is hard to put a price on. It teaches us how to learn. At some point, kids will always ask some variation of the following question. When am I ever going to use sine, cosine, and tangent in the real world? There are a number of responses we can give to that question. We might dismiss the question with something like, well, I had to learn it, so you have to learn it too. But that's not a very satisfying answer. A slightly more satisfying answer might be, well, if you're an engineer, you'll use it to calculate angles and forces on objects. But the obvious problem with that response is that most people won't become engineers. But I think the best answer, or at least the most satisfying answer to the most people is probably never. You will probably never need to use sine, cosine, or tangent again. You will never need to know the difference between sedimentary, igneous, or metamorphic rocks, or the difference between mitochondria, ribosomes, and cytoplasm. But here's the key. Learning trigonometry, geology, and biology is exercise for your brain. You are learning how to learn, and that is one of the most valuable practical skills you can ever possess. No doubt we've all forgotten 99% of the things we learned in school, but the skill set we developed is a bit like riding a bike. Once we learn how to learn, that skill really can't be taken away. And this also comes with a built-in bonus. We all spent decades learning how to learn theoretical and practical things. So learning new, practical, relevant things is actually that much easier. For example, I don't remember the first time I learned about exponents, and I'm guessing you don't either. But what I do still vividly remember is the first time I learned that I could turn $1,000 into $100,000 just by investing the money and letting it grow exponentially for 50 years. That was interesting, and it was relevant and practical. If we stop learning new things once we graduate from high school or college, we've completely missed the point. Mark Twain understood this perfectly when he said, I've never let my schooling interfere with my education. Now that we've learned how to learn, we can spend the rest of our lives learning the interesting, relevant, practical things that will make us happier, more fulfilled, more successful, and more useful to society. And I think we can best do this by converting all of our challenges in life into learning challenges. In other words, when we're faced with a difficult challenge, we need to get smarter and learn how to solve it. For example, rather than saying, I'm a bad decision maker, we can shift our thinking to say, I need to learn how to make better decisions. Saying, I'm not happy, is not nearly as helpful as saying, I need to learn how to be more happy. If we aren't good at making money or controlling our temper or making friends or being friends, we can convert those problems into learning challenges and learn how to make more money, learn how to control our temper, learn how to make friends, or learn how to be a better friend. But how do we learn the things we need to learn to help us solve our problems? The answer, I believe, is that we need to be autodidacts. Now, I simultaneously love and hate that word. I hate it because it sounds stuffy and most people don't know what it means. But I love that word for what it means. An autodidact is simply a self-taught person. Autodidacticism is self-education, or education without the guidance of institutions. Autodidacts choose their subject, the material, the rhythm, 
and the time. Whether we've had a formal education or not is irrelevant. Anyone can be an autodidact. And there was never a better time in the history of the world to become an autodidact than now. The internet allows us to learn essentially anything for free from anyone. As an autodidact, we get to choose the topic and the medium. We can choose to learn the relevant and practical things that will make us happier, healthier, more satisfied, and more valuable to society. One of my favorite sayings is that if you don't like to read, you haven't found the right book. A slightly different version of this saying would be, if you don't like to learn, you aren't learning the right things. Learn the right things. Learn the relevant things. Learn the practical things for you. Read the books you want to read. Take the online courses you want to take. Listen to the podcasts or audiobooks that you want to listen to. Not everyone can be LeBron James or Albert Einstein, but everyone can learn to be happier, more successful, more fulfilled, and more valuable to society. And I hope Mickels and Dimes will help you do just that. Learn simple, practical, and underappreciated ideas. Take a simple idea and take it seriously, said Charlie Munger. And what's more simple than converting all problems to learning problems? Be a learning machine. Be an autodidact. You have already learned how to learn. Now spend the rest of your life learning the practical, relevant things that will help you the most. (laughs) 